0: Hello and welcome to In the Booth here on Sportsnet 650. Brendan Batchelor, soon to be joined by Randeep Janda. We are with you every week and we are the Canucks broadcast team. We broadcast the games for you here on Sportsnet 650. Randeep not joining me off the top of the show because he's in Victoria getting set for Hockey Day in Canada, of course the broadcast emanating this year from our provincial capital so hockey night in canada is there and live on the air all day on saturday but so is hockey night in canada punjabi so randeep in the provincial capital getting set for their broadcast beginning at four o'clock on saturday Afternoon. So he's busy over there shaking hands, kissing babies, doing everything that Randeep does out in the public as a representative for Hockey Night in Canada, Punjabi. So he's going to join me in the second segment, and we'll get into some of the conversation around the Vancouver Canucks when Randeep joins me. But the big news. Around the organization on Friday in particular was Jim Rutherford, the president of hockey operations signing an extension to remain at the helm of this Vancouver Canucks organization for three more seasons and really well-deserved for Rutherford. When you look at the turnaround for this Canucks organization a year ago, we were discussing Bruce Boudreau being let go, the coaching change being made, the Canucks, you know, near the bottom of the league standings, really struggling. How were they going to turn things around? There was the Tanner Pearson, injury complication, and all of the conversation around that. And here we are in January of 2024. The Canucks are legitimately one of the best teams in the league. They're looking like a potential Stanley Cup contender, and the conversation is more about what they're going to do ahead of the trade deadline to make this team better this year. And I want to start there talking about the Canucks. We've had some conversations over the last few weeks about the kind of player they might target or the hole in the lineup that they're looking to fill prior to the trade deadline. But let's hear from Jim Rutherford because at the press conference, and he got into a number of topics, we're going to discuss a few of them here before Randy joins me. Uh, He talked about the trade deadline, and I asked him about it relatively early in the press conference about the organization's approach. And I think Rutherford's answer tells a lot in terms of how aggressive the Canucks might be. Let's hear from the president of hockey operations when he spoke with the media on Friday, fresh off his three-year extension to remain the president of the team and talking about the trade deadline and how the organization might approach it.
1: Well, you can make the right changes and it can still not work. So there's, there's a risk in it. But there's also a risk in not trying to improve the team. When you get to a certain level, and I've seen that with teams where I say, wow, that team's pretty good, and then they don't do anything. So that's what we talk about. We've been talking about that for a month now within our hockey operations, trying to decide what we want to do. But Patrick has said this, and this is what we say in meetings. This group of players and coaches deserve the, the best opportunity that they can to compete going forward. And that's what we talk about every day and we have to make a decision on.
0: And I think you can kind of get the sense of which way Rutherford is leaning there. And look, with his history, we know he's aggressive as a general manager. He was in his previous 10 years as a general manager around the NHL, liked to tweak. You know, he was known as Trader Jim for a reason was an aggressive general manager. And the Canucks have been an aggressive organization with him as the president and with Patrick Alvin as the general manager. They've made more trades than any other team in the NHL this year. And the key quote for me out of what Rutherford was talking about there is when he talks about the risk of not doing anything being one that is very real too. And I think it's a very astute point when you look at a team that you have now that's had a better season than you might've expected is in a situation to potentially do some damage this year there is a risk to standing pat. There is a risk to not making the kind of moves that you could make to make this team better. And it'll be interesting to see how they manage that. But I think that gives you an idea that they're likely to be aggressive if they get the opportunity because they feel like they have a team that you know they can move forward with here and try and contend. And if they get the chance to complement this group, they will because as Rutherford said there, and as Alvin has said as well, They deserve it. And this ties into the conversation around another player with this team, Andre Kuzmenko, who was benched in the third period of the win over Arizona on Thursday. Didn't get out there on the power play late either. He's been a healthy scratch five times this year now. And Rutherford, rightfully so, was asked about Andre Kuzmenko and his status with the organization. And obviously, it's been a tough year for Kuzmenko. He's not producing offense right now to the level that he did last year when he scored 39 goals. He's not getting the trust from head coach Rick Tockett in terms of his two-way play. It's clear that uh, Tockett doesn't believe that Kuzmenko is doing the things he needs to do to be a sustainable part of this lineup at key moments in games right now. And so Jim Rutherford was asked about that and gave a really interesting answer on Andre Kuzmenko. And it kind of hints at Kuzmenko's potential future with the organization too. Here's Rutherford on Kuzmenko.
1: I don't know what we do more than what the coaching staff's been doing. Talk has has worked with him and the other parts of the coaching staff has worked with him. He's lost his confidence. He's a good player and he can score. And there's no doubt in my mind whether it's in Vancouver or in another NHL city, he he will score.
0: And that right there is the key part of the quote from Jim Rutherford, whether it's in Vancouver or in another NHL city. And look, this is one press conference. We're trying to read into the remarks from the president and from Francesco Aquilini as well, who was there sitting on the dais with the newly extended president of the Vancouver Canucks. But You know, it may be a fool's errand to read into this too much, but at the same time, you couple with what we heard from Rutherford earlier, which is talking about the opportunity cost of not being aggressive and how, you know, the wrong move sometimes is standing pat. You also hear him mentioning Kuzmenko playing elsewhere, and I don't think it's too big of a leap to take to say that if the Canucks feel they can make a move to improve their club, which certainly is possible and they need to free up some salary cap space in order to do it, which is more than possible, it's probable with the salary cap situation this organization's in, they probably need to create some flexibility if they want to make this team better and find some cap space, then Andre Kuzmenko has to be looked at now as a legitimate option to be shipped out to create some of that cap space. And Kuzmenko may not have a ton of value on the market. The Canucks may actually have to lose the deal to move on from Kuzmenko and create that space if it allows them to bring in a player that makes the organization better. But again, you couple the comments from Rutherford about being aggressive with the fact that he mentions Kuzmenko potentially playing in another NHL city, and it's not a large leap to say that Andre Kuzmenko very well may be moved by the Vancouver Canucks before the trade deadline. Now, that's not to say that he will be moved. It's not to say that things can't work out in Vancouver but you get the sense that if things trend in the direction that they are right now that that may very well be the reality before this organization gets to the trade deadline another player who's been on the lips of Canuck fans over the last few weeks of course is Elias Pedersen in part for his tremendous play on the ice with the lotto line as they've really taken over the narrative around this team and changed the conversation around this team as well, as we talked about last week in terms of leveling this organization up and maybe convincing management and others that this really is a team that could do damage when you get into the playoffs this year. Uh, But of course about his contract as well, Patterson a pending restricted free agent, not signed for next year and doesn't want to talk contract, as he reiterated again on Friday, until after the season is done. Of course, Rutherford was asked about that, and his answer was interesting, as was Francesco Aquilini, the owner, stepping in and providing his two cents as well. So let's hear from Rutherford and Aquilini on the status of their star player, Elias Patterson.
1: Look, we can wait. I'll say the obvious. We keep saying it over and over. We really want him to stay. He's a very special player. He's very important to the Canucks. He's very important to the, to the city. And he can't walk at the end of the season. And that's the position that we've taken. We've taken it very comfortably. And so there's not anybody getting anxious here. Come the offseason, then things will get a lot more serious if, in fact, the situation gets to that point.
2: And, uh, I'd just like to add that from an ownership perspective, you know, we really want uh, Elias to stay. I mean, we're hoping that, you know, Jim can come to a conclusion with uh, with the agent and Elias, and hopefully we can get that done.
0: So there are Rutherford and Aquilini weighing in on the Elias Pettersson situation. And a couple things stand out to me here. First of all, Aquilini, Rutherford, and Alvin are now all on the record in the media, really over the last week all reiterating their stance they want patterson to stay they feel he's an important part of the organization they want him to remain a vancouver canuck and i think it was you know incredibly interesting to hear from the owner on that basically unprompted weighing in and saying we want jim to get this deal done we want patterson to remain a canuck but i think you know rutherford's comments were were more interesting to me because it felt like that he was trying to re exert some control over this situation to a certain extent. And, you know, that's not to say that he doesn't want Patterson to stay or he doesn't feel that they can get that done. You know, he said all the things that we've heard from Alvin and we heard from Aquilini. They want Patterson to stay. They think he's a big part of the team, big part of the community, big part of the organization. But at the same time, He rightly points out that Pedersen cannot walk at the end of this season. You know, there is a potential scenario where, yes, he takes his qualifying offer, a one-year deal that would pay him around $8.8 million next year, and that walks him to unrestricted free agency and puts the organization in an interesting predicament, to say the least, but... You know, we're not there yet. And uh, Rutherford, I think, trying to say that there's no anxiety is, again, uh, trying to reexert some control over this situation. And he also points out that, you know, this is a conversation that's likely going to happen in the offseason now and that they're not going to start. Fussing and worrying about what might happen with Pedersen until they sit down with his representatives, until they get the lay of the land, and then they will go from there and things will get more serious, as Rutherford said. But, you know, I think there's an important distinction here where they're saying they want him to stay, but I don't know if I would say that Rutherford is kind of saying they're prepared for the alternative. But that's kind of the feeling I get coming out of those conversations that, look, if the alternative is that Patterson doesn't want to stay and we have to deal with that, we are ready to cross that bridge if it comes to it. We are hoping we don't have to cross that bridge. I'm making it clear we want him to remain a member of the Vancouver Canucks, but it doesn't mean we're up a creek without a paddle if Patterson doesn't want to sign long-term. And uh, to a certain extent, I think he's right, and, and it'll be interesting to see first of all, how this entire situation plays out, but how the Canucks manage the situation, regardless of whether Pedersen stays or whether Pedersen is not going to be a Vancouver Canuck long term. And you get the sense anyway, from hearing Rutherford speak, that um, they've prepared for all of the possible scenarios. And it wouldn't surprise me that even if Pedersen does leave. And again, it's so premature to be saying that because they're not sitting down having these conversations yet. We're not expecting them to until the offseason. So this may be a, a lot of conversation over nothing. If they sit down in the offseason, they've had a good playoff run, they've had a good end to the year, and Pedersen says, you know what? I want to stay. I think things are going well here. I'm ready to sign on the dotted line. Um, But it, it does give you a little bit of comfort anyway, or I think it should if you're a Canuck fan that Rutherford is willing to address the possible alternative and seems comfortable about the organization's ability to handle that if it should come to that with Elias pedersen those were just a few of the talking points from the press conference i could probably spend a couple of hours breaking down everything that rutherford and aquilini had to say but on the other side randeep jand is going to join me from victoria the site of hockey day in canada we'll preview the canucks and the leafs on saturday get into some of your listener questions and conduct our weekly rose ceremony as well it's all still to come right here on in the booth on your official home of the canucks Sportsnet 650 Welcome back to In the Booth on Sportsnet 650. Thanks for joining me. Brandon Bachelor, with you this week, soon to be joined by my colleague... Randy Janda a reminder as well if you miss any part of the show every week if you're listening on the airwaves on Sportsnet 650 it does live as a podcast as well and you can get it by subscribing to the Canucks Central podcast feed and you want to do that anyway because you get Sat and Reach and their show every weekday you get every Canucks post-game show with Sat and Bick, and you get our show in the booth every week as well all right it is time to welcome in my colleague and broadcast partner live from victoria the provincial capital randeep janda here with me ahead of hockey day in canada coming up on saturday from victoria randeep how is the provincial
2: capital treating you yeah it's not very sunny here batch like the the lower mainland but that's all right because it's a festival atmosphere we're celebrating the sport of hockey and you know what binds us together as canadians so a lot of Uh, excitement in the streets as we get ready for the broadcast, as we get ready for a lot of hockey, seven teams, all Canadian uh, uh, teams getting involved on Hockey Day in Canada, and nothing more marquee than Vancouver versus Toronto. So a lot of excitement here celebrating the game we love, and people from all walks of life are, are congregating on the city of Victoria. So before we get into the
0: mailbag here and uh, do the Rose Ceremony and all of the things we do every week here on In the Booth, just tell us what people can expect from your show, what people who are in Victoria can expect if they come down to the Inner Harbor area and what you guys will have going on
2: throughout the day on Saturday. Well, first of all, it's a hockey geek's dream. There's rinks all over the place, ball hockey rinks. There is a sheet of ice here, an outdoor rink uh, right in the harbor. And on top of that, Uh, You've got the opportunity to meet and greet uh, with a lot of alumni. I know there's Lanny McDonald, Wendell Clark, a number of Canucks alumni as well. The Courtinals who are are central to Victoria and the hockey story here. Uh, On top of that, uh, Kevin BX is in town, Elliot Friedman. I was on a flight over with David Amber. Uh, There's uh, Ron McLean. So there's a number of things that are going on here locally. It's going to be a cool atmosphere. But you talked about the on-air broadcast. Uh, Hockey in Canada will be here, as I mentioned. Uh, we're excited on Hockey Night in Canada Punjabi to have a live broadcast going from 4 p.m. to 10 p.m. where we're going to bring in the, uh, the pregame uh, commentary, our, our period breakdowns live from the harbor. So come on by, swing by. Uh, we've actually got a ball hockey clinic uh, that's going on this weekend as well for a number of kids aged 6 to 10 in the community. Really excited for that. And, and beyond that, just uh, if you see us, if you come have an opportunity, if you live on the island, Uh, and it's safe for you to travel right now. Come on down, and there's going to be a a lot of folks here from the hockey community mingling and uh, celebrating the game. So for us, we're looking forward to the broadcast, and it's going to be a special, special uh, occasion. So make sure to tune in if you can't get here. Absolutely.
0: And uh, not just Hockey Night in Canada Punjabi, but as you said, Hockey Night in Canada here on Sportsnet 650. We've got the Canucks and Maple Leafs at four o'clock pregame show beginning at three in the afternoon on Saturday. So celebrating this great game across our country. And it's something that we do every year that we always enjoy. Now, before we get into some listener questions, wanted to speak with you in particular about this matchup between the Canucks and the Leafs, because, of course, uh, on the radio side, we're very Canuck-focused. We follow what this team is doing. But with Hockey Night in Canada, Punjabi, you're covering all the Canadian teams. You watch the Maple Leafs probably a lot more than I do. So, set up this matchup between the Canucks and Leafs on Saturday, maybe from the Toronto perspective and some of the things that are going on with the Leafs not exactly playing their best of late, although I know they're coming off a win.
2: Yeah, they beat Calgary in their most recent matchup, but on one side, you have the most consistent team in the NHL by the numbers, the Vancouver Canucks, a team that hasn't lost three games in a row this season, the only team in the NHL to say that. And on the other side, Batch, you've got a team that, even though they beat Calgary, they're looking internally to say, all right, what are we? And I think Brad Treliving is having that conversation within his group to say, okay, the last four games before that, they'd lost. Three of those games, they gave up leads as they were winning. So they've got the firepower. They've got Austin Matthews, who powered that win against Calgary. They've got high-end players, but do they have the mix on the back end? Do they have the goaltending? That's a very real conversation that Brad Treliving is having internally to figure out what he has. And remember, this is a team that is not guaranteed a playoff spot right now. They're battling it out with, you know, the top dogs in the Atlantic. So the Boston's, the Florida's of the world, Tampa Bay is absolutely trying to find their way into the playoffs. And Toronto's very much in that conversation. But once you start looking at the wild card, there's about seven or eight teams that are jockeying for position there. So this is not going to be easy situation for Toronto. They come into Vancouver. Uh, looking in the mirror and saying, okay, what are we? We know you got the high in talent, but can you trust the other aspects of the game? So this is a team that's doing some self-reflection. Meanwhile, the Canucks, even though maybe the last couple of games, they haven't looked their best in terms of their A-plus you know, game, but they're winning with B-minus efforts. They're winning with B-plus efforts, and they've really found ways to win games, uh, hard-nosed games, and the Leafs are trying to find identity right now. Absolutely. And you know, you allude
0: to the Canucks. Yeah, maybe not playing their best, but finding ways to win nonetheless. Uh, you know, they extend their point streak to seven games with the hard fought win over a pretty plucky Arizona team on Thursday night. And as much as you know the the way they've been playing maybe hasn't hit the heights of the, the game in New York or against New Jersey or the Islanders, uh, this is a team that has to be feeling incredibly confident and it does set up for a fascinating matchup on Hockey Day in Canada between these two clubs when you look at it from the Vancouver side of things as well that they will be confident that they can find a way to beat any team in the league right now, including the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I imagine much of the focus for the Canucks will be trying to shut down down or limit Austin Matthews as he comes into Rogers arena.
2: Yeah, this is a very intriguing matchup because, you know, the last seven games for the Canucks, it's been the lotto line. They've been able to you know, produce whether it's five on five on that lowest, uh, last road trip, excuse me, or on the power play in that last game. So even though maybe five and five, they haven't got the production that we saw early on on the road trip after that they were they were put together that after that St. Louis game, uh, it's still on their night probably – The hottest line in hockey, if not, you know, this season, we could say based on what they've able to produce on the other side, you've got uh, a very dangerous top six and there are flaws with the Toronto Maple Leafs team, right? Goaltending. We know that is going to be a big question on the back end. They're not looking solid. There's probably looking externally how to solve that. But in terms of head to head, Austin Matthews line versus the lotto line, that is going to be the marquee matchup of if they go shot for shot, who's going to rule the day? And the second line, of course, is you know a real concern as well for the opposition because you've got an opportunity where you can mix and match a little bit. You've got three really high-end players with Mitch Marner, William Nylander, and Austin Matthews. And the Canucks on their day as well, they have the best line in hockey. So to me, that's one matchup. The other element that the Canucks have that the Leafs necessarily don't based on their current makeup is... The Canucks can beat you in a shootout, but they can also beat you in a grinded out game and what they've been able to do this year batch is, you know, win games by allowing two or go- two goals or less and that's something that the Vancouver Canucks of the last two years were not able to do. They can make it a greasy game. They can beat you multiple ways. Toronto's yet to show that they can play that game. So if you know Rick Tockett potentially gets his way here, and it's a grinded out game and everything's kept to the outside. You know, that's a recipe for success where you've got the firepower, but the Canucks have really done a good job of falling back into their structure and limiting chances against a team like Toronto. It's a challenge, especially with the shot that Matthews have. It has. But it's a, it's a really intriguing matchup of can they find the middle of the ice against this Vancouver Canucks team.
0: So that is the Canucks and the Leafs coming up at 4 o'clock on Saturday right here on Sportsnet 650 on Hockey Night in Canada as well as part of Hockey Day in Canada pregame show at 3 o'clock on our Airwaves On Saturday afternoon. All right, let's get to some of the listener questions, Randeep. As always, our listeners delivered with some great questions for us to discuss. And let's start out with Jeremiah Peters, who writes in on Twitter and asks, what do you think the Canucks are going to do with Andre Kuzmenko? And look, we heard Jim Rutherford speak about Kuzmenko's future and the way he's playing right now and use the term, whether he scores in Vancouver or in another NHL city Uh, he's going to score at the NHL level. And of course you read into that comment as you know, Kuzmenko may be on the trade market. I don't think it's a guarantee that this organization moves off Andre Kuzmenko before we get into March and they get right down to the trade deadline. But that said, and I've been saying this for a while and we've been talking about Kuzmenko weekly on this show for a while as well you do need to free up salary cap space. And Andre Kuzmenko looks to me anyway, like one of the more likely candidates to be moved out just because of the dollar amount on his contract and the flexibility it would give them if they're able to move on from him before the deadline.
2: Yeah. This has been a conversation in Vancouver for the last couple of weeks. We've talked about it here on the podcast and the show, but what makes this a slightly different conversation now is against Arizona, He was benched for the entire third period, but Batch also on the power play, right? This is a guy that has been given the opportunity on the power play to create. And when in doubt, Kuzmenko has been a threat, especially going back to last season, in and around that slot area where he's able to tip and deflect pucks. Uh, This year, we haven't seen that. Yes, you know, he does have that skill. There's no doubt about that. But even against Arizona, the lack of chemistry down low where it felt like he was a perimeter player or, you know, an extra part to that power play rather than a part of it where he wasn't maybe playing with the most confidence. And I understand five on five, we've seen that late in games. but once that trickles over to the power play, that's when you really start to ask the question of, okay, what's in the future here in regards to the Canucks rushing a move. Yeah. I don't think they need to do that. This is a team that's on a seven game point streak. You can, you know, still, Lean on the the Pedersen line and the Lotto line. You can lean on a, a heck of a third line to get you points right now and to get you victories, which is what they've been able to do. So you don't have to rush it, but this is a an area of you know, I wouldn't say concern, but an area you have to focus on if your management to say as you gear up for March, as you gear up for April, do you have a line that can click with? Suter or Makayev or whoever that center is if they you know break up the lotto line and is Kuzmenko a part of it right now the lack of confidence is the one thing that bothers me because previously in the offensive zone this was a guy that was confident but the last couple of games here batch it's really starting to drop off it absolutely
0: has done and the production isn't there right now either which I think is you know the the one thing to note: if he was scoring but wasn't buying into all the things defensively that you want, then maybe you live with it because he can give you some production, and and then he doesn't play late in games when you're protecting leads and things like that. And that is what I wonder about in relation to the question from Jeremiah: What are they going to do with Kuzmenko um, if it's not a trade? That is the more interesting part of this conversation to me. If they don't move off of him before the deadline, where does he fit with this team as they head down the stretch, as they go toward the playoffs? It's pretty clear that Rick Tockett doesn't have a lot of trust in him in certain situations right now. And you know that to me, if it plays out that way, could be a a much more fascinating thing to watch is if Kuzmenko is going to stay here, how does he fit into this puzzle? Does he fit into this puzzle? Could we be at the point where we see him scratched in the playoffs because of the lack of trust in his overall game from Rick Talkett?
2: Well, eleven oh two of Ice Time in the last game, and if that's the level of confidence or level of play that he's, you know, stagnates at, or if he's maybe a little bit better, but not that much better, yeah, that's a recipe for a scratch later on in the year. So if you don't trade him and he stays at this level, you have to find another alternative of who's that player that's going to step up maybe it's a field to giuseppe but he doesn't give you that high end scoring talent so you know in the playoffs you're gonna need somebody especially if the lotto line is together you're gonna need somebody that drives that line and that's the issue right now with puse Suter and mikhayev uh Suter's is a, a a really good player he's a balanced player 200 foot player but he's not going to necessarily drive offense he's not going to be your main driver in a line Ilya mikhayev excellent complimentary player i think this guy uh even though he's not producing, he still does a lot of good things on the ice, but he's not going to be your main driver. So, you know, if you keep the lotto line together and, and Kuzmenko's not traded, you need A, him to step up and be a driver on that line. And B, if he's not the answer, where are you getting that from? And you might, you don't want to, you know, tinker with that third line that's just done a great job. They have a lot of chemistry. Uh, that's going to require somebody else to take a step up batch. And right now on this roster, I'm not sure if you want to break any of that up. We saw Niels Hoaglander play in the top six. It was good for a little bit, but he's just so much better in the, you know, on that fourth line playing his 10, 11 minutes, bringing energy, being a real pain in the rear end to play against. So it is uh, a valid question. I'm not sure if they have that answer at the NHL level right now. Do you go down to the AHL? Do you maybe experiment a little bit more with some of the guys that are scoring points down there? R. S. D. Baines is an example, but is he a long-term fixture? No, you're probably going to have to address that externally to say, all right, if Kuzmenko can't do it, where are you looking?
0: And you bring up Arshdeep Bain, so we'll go to another question. This one from at Lionel Hutz01. On Twitter, I don't believe this is the lawyer from The Simpsons, but nonetheless, uh, if he it asks, is, "We got a
2: big get. We've got a huge listener there, which is a uh, that's a celebrity endorsement if I've ever yeah, heard one." Absolutely, we'll take it. Uh, Lionel Hutz asks, "What will it take to
0: see Arshdeep Baines get called up?" and This is a really interesting question for me in light of the fact that the organization continues to go to Linus Carlson in these spots where they need guys recalled. I'm of two minds on a player like Arsteep Baines. The one side of things, like many people that we see interacting with us on Twitter, saying, look, this guy's had a great season. He's an AHL All-Star. Give him a look get him up in the lineup. It's got to be better than what you're getting from a guy like Kuzmenko right now. So why don't you put him in the lineup, especially in a scenario where we don't know at this point whether Kuzmenko is going to go into the lineup against the Maple Leafs on Saturday or not. Rick Tockett wouldn't commit to it when speaking about it on Friday with Carlson back up with the hockey club. So I can definitely understand that side of things and say, okay, yeah, this guy's deserved it. He's an all-star in the AHL. Get him up, give him a chance, see what he can bring you in the NHL lineup. The other side of things, and we've seen this from Rutherford and Alvin, not just uh, with the Vancouver Canucks, but dating back to Rutherford's time in Pittsburgh with Alvin on his staff there, they like to slow cook guys. They don't like to rush guys. They want to bring guys up when they feel they're ready and they feel they have an opportunity to succeed, and we can certainly debate whether that opportunity is there for Arshdeep Baines right now or not. And I'm totally open to having that discussion. But I'm just looking at the track record from Rutherford and this Canucks management group, saying I'm not entirely convinced that Arshdeep Baines is coming up imminently. You know, I think he deserves it. I think he certainly could get that look, especially if they have some injuries down the stretch here in the second half, because they have been relatively healthy to this point in the season, and that is part of the reason that some of these guys playing in the AHL haven't had longer looks. But you look at this management group, and at the same time, you say it wouldn't surprise me at all if they say let him be confident, let him have a good season in the AHL. It worked with Niels Hoaglander last year, right? They didn't call him up late in the season, even though he was turning his game around. And look at the player that he has developed into this year for the Canucks. I wonder if they're looking more at the long game rather than the short-term game for a guy like Arshdeep Baines.
2: Yeah, I think with Baines, it's definitely the long game. But when you know, I say that, and I had a chance to have a conversation with him last week on Hockey Night in Canada, Punjabi's YouTube page, you can check that out on our, uh, on our, on our channel there. But I do feel like if they're going to call him up now with the four-game homestand that is remaining, would be the time to do so, right? Quick drive down uh, Highway 1, you're able to see what he can provide here during the stretch, not the entire stretch. Maybe it's just a one game or just to see where he's at because the alternative right now batch is Kuzmenko. And if you're not sold on Kuzmenko's 200 foot game, if you're not sold on his confidence right now, and you want to have a look at a different player, listen, it could be Linus Carlson. It's kind of what, you know, at that level, he's a guy that was able to score at the AHL level, uh, you know, had 25 plus goals last year, but Baines is now in that conversation with Carlson as well, where, You know what Carlson is. He's played in the NHL. He's got a few games. He's got the trust of one Rick Tockett. With Baines, it's, all right, maybe this kid's put himself in a spot to at least get a look. He's an AHL all-star. He's really shown to be, over the last 365 days, one of the most improved players in the organization. I think, you know, if you're going to give him a one or two game shot just to show what he can do and how he settles at the NHL level, and then you send him back down to say, all right, you got your taste, and we're going to kind of you know, see what else we have here. Maybe one of your other players gets healthy. Maybe Kuzmenko's given a shot again. I think this would actually be a pretty decent spot where with any AHL player, of course you, uh, you know, you want to call them up so that they can find a home permanently in the NHL. But with Baines, they do have the long game here. So I think this timing is a little unique because you're not forcing it. The NHL roster does require a little bit of something different right now. And with Baines, You know, he's been working on his 200-foot game. He understands where he needs to be to make the NHL. But if you're trying to see, okay, is this guy, can he bring some of that skill on a second line right now that is essentially getting third-line minutes, not second-line minutes, and might be able to create some offense, I think it's a pretty decent time to maybe give it a look.
0: And here's the the thing that I think we can say for sure. Whether Baines gets a look this year or not, he is a part of their plans. And the reason sure. I say that is because we've already heard uh, comments out of the organization. And I can't remember if this was Rutherford or Alveen because they've both been out there in the media over the last couple of weeks, but talking specifically about their depth in Abbotsford and about how they are going to be looking beyond this season for guys to come in and fill in some of that depth with some of the contracts they need to sign. And this ties into a question uh, that Jeremy from Sook writes in, on Twitter which of the current Canucks pending unrestricted free agents would you least like to see leave i personally have so much confidence in rutherford alvin that i believe in their ability to vo- uh, find valuable replacements for any of their pending UFAs. And so we'll answer that question in a moment, Jeremy, but Randy, this ties into what we're talking about with Baines here, which is, you know, the way this organization has assessed talent, the way that they've, first of all, their pro scouting department has done a great job bringing guys in like Dakota Joshua, like Sam Lafferty, like Teddy Bluger, just to name a few of the guys that are in this conversation, that if you can't bring a Sam Lafferty back next year, well, guess what? You've got a built-in guy that could come into training camp and earn that spot in Arshdeep Baines, and based on the way he's played this year, you can have confidence that he would show up at training camp and give it the best that he absolutely can, and very well could earn a roster spot next season, even if he doesn't get that short-term look this year.
2: Yeah, and he played three preseason games this past year as well, so he's got a little bit of experience in that. He played next to Connor Garland, Pius Suter, uh, potentially another reason you'd call him up to to maybe take that role for an uh, Andre Kuzmenko because he did play to, uh, on Suter's wing in preseason. But you're right for next year when you do have some you know, pretty important names that are going to be UFA status. You do need to have those players that take that next step. Is that Archie Baines? Is that Linus Carlson? Is that Max Sasson? There's a few players that could potentially take that leap. But in regards to Jeremy's question, you know, the confidence, which of the current Canucks going, pending UFAs would you like to see, um, least like to see leave
0: and quickly before we answer yep. that i'll just list off their pending ufas right now so he specifically says ufas so it means we're not talking about Hironik, we're not talking about petterson and niels omans a pending rfa as well so those guys aren't in the conversation but the pending ufas on the canucks roster right now nikita zadorov ian cole dakota joshua tyler myers teddy bluger mark friedman sam lafferty
2: casey Desmith. And my answer would be, uh, right down the middle, I'm going Teddy Bluger, because this is a player that has shown, whether it's the fourth line or the third line, he is a very smart player. His level of A, discipline on the ice, his commitment to playing the right way sets the tone for his line. And that's not to say that Garland and Dakota Joshua didn't have success with Pew Suter. Of course they did. But Suter and Bluger are very similar players. They're very intelligent players. And I feel like that line, as we've seen with production, has really taken the next step with Teddy Bluger uh, to solidify that bottom six where you're saying, this guy can kill penalties, he can chip in with goals, and he also sets the standard from a work ethic perspective. I think Teddy Bluger is the player that I would least like to see leave in UFA status because he is a guy that is playing the right way. And guys, we know this as well. The center position, the spine of your team, is so so important. Where if you can get him on a good deal, if you can get him on a a reasonable deal, that's the one. That's the guy that I look at.
0: I agree, although I think it is sort of tied into what happens. Over the next few weeks leading up to the trade deadline, because let's say the Canucks and go uh, go out on the market and make a big splash and bring in another centerman, like we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Adam Henrique is is a player that has you know, been thrown out there as a guy that could play the wing and play the middle, has some experience. If they really wanted to hit a home run, you could look at someone like Elias Lindholm out of Calgary. I would like that fit personally um, just because it kind of has some built-in protection for you in the event that things go south with Elias Pettersson, that Lindholm can kind of come in and to a certain extent help you withstand Patterson potentially moving on, although Jim Rutherford talked about it uh, at his press conference on Friday that um, you know Patterson can't walk at the end of this year, regardless of what happens. They have another year of team control, so that's the only thing I would say as a caveat to Bluger is he maybe bumps down my list if they bring in an impactful centerman and you're liking their center ice depth even more, then maybe Bluger uh, doesn't become expendable. That's not the The term I want to use here, but maybe the importance of bringing him back is lessened if they insulate at the center ice position. But other than that, I agree with your assessment on Teddy Bluger. And I'll just talk about the next guy on that list for my money. And it's kind of a tie. It's a one or the other Ian Cole or Nikita Zadorov, because with the way that this management group has done such a good job of making over the Canucks blue line, I don't think you can afford to lose them both. Now, we can have a debate here about who makes the better sense long term, who is the better fit. Uh, as a player continuing to play a role on this team going forward, Ian Cole can play the left side, play the right side, is a veteran with Stanley Cup experience and pedigree, but he's getting older and we might see his game drop off. Um, then Zadorov, younger player, big guy, physical. Uh, these are all things that that uh, that are are good and and that you want maybe you give up some of that veteran experience if you keep zadorov and move on for Ian Cole and you know what I'm gonna throw Tyler Myers into this mix as well because I think um, you know you could probably go- afford to lose two of those guys and and go out of the open market and find some replacements to insulate the depth of your blue line because you know you've got Hughes coming back you're expecting Hironik to come back as a restricted free agent you just got to figure out what that contract looks like Carson Suseys He's going to be back another year. So, you know, you you have three guys that are solidified going to be on this roster. But to lose all three of the others would be a lot of pain for that blue line to withstand, I think.
2: Yeah. And all three of those guys you mentioned are players that are not easy to play against in the playoffs. Right. So, you know, the Canucks trending towards a, a very good spot in the playoffs. And we'll probably see some of their worth in the first round in the first couple of games. Uh, but beyond that batch, when you talk about those guys and Tyler Myers has been a talking point in this city since the day he arrived, even before that. And it's always been about the dollar figure. But if you get him on a much lower dollar figure, what that number is, uh, I don't think it's going to be that much lower. He's a right shot defenseman. Those guys get paid, but it's going to be lower. We know that uh, it's there's still a valuable spot for him. So I, I actually think, you know, if you're looking at your third pair, uh, you got to have a right shot D. Uh, you probably have to add another right shot D somewhere else, but having a Tyler Myers is, is something a conversation we'll be having probably a lot more as the season goes on here. Now, the other two players you mentioned uh, with Ian Cole, if you don't want to give up term to Nikita Zadorov, because this is a guy that is late in his twenties. He wants to, he wants to make his money. Probably wants some security as well. Um, you know, doesn't come cheap, right? This is a physical defenseman and you really see their worth in the playoffs. Ian Cole is the alternative where you're saying this guy has been used to taking one-year deals. He understands where he is in the the pecking order on defense. He's, you know, second, third pair defenseman. He's going to give you hard minutes. He's going to be plugging up the lanes. He's a guy that plays the game the right way, but he also understands that, you know, signing those one-year deals is something that he's doing at this point in his career. Uh, That's a, a cheaper alternative, potentially, at least in the short term, where you're trying to map out maybe the future of your back end, but you still want somebody who's competitive now. You still want somebody who plays the right way. So that one is going to be at this point in time an either or. And it really depends on, you know, if management is willing to pay the price for Isadora, right? Well, this is a guy that, based on the conversations in Calgary, was looking for a fair bit. And are the Canucks willing to have that conversation with a guy that, you know, is a tough, tough player to play against? You can, If you doubt what I'm saying, go ask Liam O'Brien, who who felt the uh, wrath of one Nikita Zadorov? So, yeah, that conversation of the two left-shot defensemen, uh, Ian Culp can play the right-hand side a little bit more successfully than some of the other guys on the back end. Uh, that's an intriguing one to me, but part of this is also, how do they fare in the playoffs? How do they play later on in the, in the season uh, when the pressure really comes at you, when those four checks are, are punishing? How do you cope with that pressure? Absolutely. And,
0: you know, dollar amount is something that's going to tie into not just Zadorov but someone like Myers, too, because, um, you know, Canuck fans have, you know, kind of had him in their crosshairs at times over the last few seasons. And we know that this year he's playing very well, but it hasn't always gone that way. And there have been some consistency issues with him. But the fact of the matter is he's still a right shot defenseman going to market. It's entirely likely that he could still make more money on the open market than the Canucks would be willing to pay him, even at the spot he is in his career, because he's a right shot defenseman, because those guys come at a premium. And so then for me, I look at Myers and I say, what are his priorities? You know, he's been in Vancouver for a number of years now. Does he want to stay? Is he going to value uh, consistency, staying with an organization he knows, staying with a group of guys that he's played with, staying with a coaching staff? staff that has found a role for him that he can succeed in and have success or is he going to prioritize making as much money as he can on the open market because if it's the latter I don't know if there's a fit there for the Canucks and Myers beyond this season
2: yeah we had a similar conversation this past offseason right Luke Shen like Tyler Myers lives in Kelowna local guy that would maybe take a bit of a haircut uh to stay in the local market and He hits the open market, and Nashville says three-year deal will give you some really good money, and that's hard to turn down, especially when you're a veteran. And Tyler Myers playing the right-hand side is, you know, there's interest across the league, I'm sure, but it really does come down to those priorities as a player of, you know, you've been in Winnipeg, you've been in Buffalo, does staying closer to home matter to you at this point in your career? But it's going to be a conversation. It's a wild ride, the Tyler Myers experience in Vancouver where, you know, the first Three years, four years of that deal, people were, you know, yelling from the, the tallest mountaintop of how it was a terrible deal. And now you look at it and say, hey, this could actually be a really good case to re-sign him because at a lower dollar figure, whatever that number is, he's still an important player. And nobody wants to play against him in the playoffs where there's a little bit more edge to his game, which is something we'll hopefully see in April
0: all right Randeep, before we get out of here it's time to get to the rose ceremony if you haven't listened before we do it every week the bachelor and the bachelor give our roses to someone with the vancouver canucks and much like the bachelor Randeep, it's a ceremony we've conducted every week on this show we always have fun with it i'll let you go first who are you giving your rose to on the show this week
2: All right. I'm giving it to number 18 on the Vancouver Canucks, Sam Lafferty. This is an important game for him as Toronto is on the schedule, the team that traded him and to the benefit of the Vancouver Canucks, but against Arizona, he set the tone. Four hits right off the bat, got into the, uh, you know, the bad books of the Arizona Coyotes and Liam O'Brien drew a penalty there. And I just love the way he's playing where, You know, I mentioned during the broadcast, he's as subtle as a sledgehammer when he's going, he's aggressive on the forecheck, and I love his game, and I think this is a big game for him as well, where he can go back to the team that traded him and said, you guys could probably use me in your lineup, and he's been able to produce, even though in the last game, only played 11 minutes and 36 seconds, doesn't matter, was effective when he did play.
0: I'm going to give my rose to Jim Rutherford this week, who gets his three-year contract extension on Friday, and we talked about that a lot earlier in the show before you joined uh, me, Randy. but uh, you have to look back at Rutherford's tenure, and I think I'm giving him this rose in particular because of how he withstanded some of the intense criticism that he faced basically around a year ago with the decision to move on for Bruce Boudreau and bring in Rick Tockett, and really that move has been the turning point for the turnaround that the Canucks have had, so Rutherford, he's old school hockey guy he's been around the game for a long time but he stuck to his guns he made the decisions that he felt were right for this organization and he's being vindicated now by the way this team is playing and the fact that he's got three more years in Vancouver as the president of hockey operations
2: That she's brought alignment and accountability to the organization, whether it's the management team all the way down to the players. It's something that, yeah, you're right. It hasn't been a smooth ride. There's been ups and downs. But Jim Rutherford, there's a reason he's a Hall of Famer and we're seeing it in Vancouver.
0: Now, before we get out of here, Randy, we already talked about Hockey Night in Canada, Punjabi as part of Hockey Day in Canada in Victoria, where you are right now. But you also have a very special guest that's going to be a part of your broadcast on Saturday, and we're going to see it on your social channels as well with Hockey Night in Canada, Punjabi, the commissioner of the National Hockey League, Gary Bettman. So give us a sneak preview of what we can expect from your chat with the commissioner.
2: Yeah. Sat down for uh, about 10 minutes with the commissioner and we talked a couple of things, including expansion, which is uh, an interesting topic as, you know, Salt Lake City and Atlanta are getting back in the conversation. Uh, the, the commissioner did have some thoughts on that and he brought up some cities that I didn't even mention myself. So you might want to listen to that. And on top of that, um, on the Olympics front, maybe a little bit more optimism coming from the commissioner. So. That's out on social media right now. You can hit up our YouTube channel. Make sure to subscribe. And if you're not able to watch it beforehand, it's going to be on air on Saturday night, Hockey Night in Canada, Punjabi. Uh, the interview in full will be on air on our broadcast.
0: Randeep, enjoy your weekend in the provincial capital. I'm jealous that I can't be there, but at the same time, it's the Canucks and the Leafs Saturday night at Rogers Arena. It's always a great atmosphere, so I'll have a lot of fun calling the game with Brett Festerling, and we'll do this all again next week, as we always do here on In the Booth, but enjoy, Victoria.
2: Thank you, and uh, missing you guys out here, but I'll am going to i make sure I'll enjoy myself doubly for everybody at the 650 Studios. Enjoy the game, Batch.
0: Absolutely. There he is, Randeep Janda, and this has been another episode of In the Booth here on Sportsnet 650. We'll talk to you again next week. This is your official home of the Canucks. We are Sportsnet 650.